Hello and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Joining me on this special episode is resident expert and ski racing aficionado Ben Clark and ex-Austrian World Cup podium racer Marcel Mattis. We are in the offices of Maison Sport to discuss Marcel Hirsch's not-so-shocking announcement that he is retiring from the world of alpine racing at just 30. Marcel, being our only German speaker, what was your take on the press conference? I mean, just to give you a brief like, kind of overview, so basically he made his decision two weeks ago, um, which he like, yeah, came up with the idea of not continuing to ski. Um, like obviously around the reasons why uh, he made that decision was basically that he just didn't want to go through all of the training. Um, he couldn't feel the motivation for it anymore. And he also said that the, sh- the summers are getting quite short, uh, which was always a very important kind of time frame for him um, to get his uh, batteries charged. But now he felt that it's not, he's just not ready for it anymore. Um, and therefore he was like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna finish it now. I mean, it's not a shock. He has been talking about it and he had hinted at it a a couple of times during last season. But I don't know. I'm just not ready for the reign of Marcel Hirscher to be over. The guy was always the one to watch when you were watching it on TV. He's always the guy to beat at any World Cup almost. And uh, and I just can't think about life without him. (laughs) He's known me a long time uh, and who my favourite skiers were. Uh, growing up and and watching as adults and I, I honestly haven't got over Benny Reich retiring yet <laughs> as he was one of my heroes and now Art Herscher who stepped up to that kind of like Austrian tech legend mantle has stepped away at what really is such a young age but as he said in the conference if if you don't have the motivation we've talked about it before skiing something that you, you can't do half-heartedly the amount you have to train through the, the off-season and then through the year, these guys are backwards and forwards between continents on very short turnarounds. And if you're in as many disciplines as uh, and special events as Herscher finds himself in, it must be exhausting and you can understand it. But from just a pure fan perspective, you know, that, that battle with Christofferson heats up more and more each year. And next year, is the, is, it's not going to be there. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a, a weird environment. I think there's only a couple of people, a few people, that are going to be uh, smiling at that announcement. <laughs> and I think Christofferson might be wearing the biggest smile of all of them. But I think we'll see. I'm hoping that we might get a little bit more from Pantero in terms of that, a bit of more edge and that we can see him picking up that fight in terms of, you know, the bit of the sort of gripes that those two had at each other all season long for the last couple of years. And I think hopefully we might see Pantero with a bit more edge about him now that he's, uh, you know, one of two. I mean, like, but those two guys are probably the people to watch out for. Um, I'm excited to see how they can handle the pressure because they will, that will be on them now. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they will handle that. But on the other hand, it also gives people who do like downhill and super G maybe a good chance because Hirsch was consistently taking the big points in slalom and yes. Um, so they might have a chance now. Yeah, that's going to be interesting, actually. That's a good point. Maybe we'll see the overall glow at least have a shot with it being somebody from the speed events. Like you say, we've, it's been eight overall titles that he's won back-to-back. Uh, and without somebody dominating every single tech event, we may see a speed skier on that trophy. But we'll see. Uh, um, I've got a question for both of you. Uh, and Marcel, you sort of answered it already. Who's going to fill the void 
short term? Who's going to fill the void over the next couple of years and longer term? I mean, in, in perspective of like everyone in the World Cup, it's probably going to be Christofferson and Pintorot, to be honest. They're both like in the best skiing age, really. So those two are most likely the people to watch out for. Um, in the long term, you never know. There might be like a super challenge coming up. Can always happen. Like, guess here should just came and dominated. So there might be someone um, in the star blocks right there. Ben, I'm not sure. I think you have to go with the guys that the Marcel just mentioned. You know, Pantra and Christofferson have probably got the widest range um, of amount of points they can pick up. But just while whilst the press conference was going on, I went back and looked at last year's uh, overall points. And if you remove Hersher from there, Pantra was second and Paris was third. Uh, he was only another 100 points or just over 100 points behind Pantero. So like you're saying, th- there is a possibility that those speed guys could become a bit closer. But then if you take all of Hersh's points and spread them between Christofferson and Pantero, they probably then stretch a bit further in, in front of the, of the, the uh, speed guys. But what's going to be really interesting is if anyone steps forward to become dominant, because mm. it's, the last few years it has just been the Hersher and Schifrin show in the tech disciplines most of the time occasionally they'd slip up but i'm really looking forward to see if one of those people who got close occasionally can really put the marker down and say i'm i'm now the boss Uh, yeah well we've talked about it plenty of times on the podcast is that when we do our picks for who we think is going to win the upcoming races quite a lot of the time yeah you say (laughs) regardless if it's a male or female race um a lot of the time we actually discount Hirscher because he's too good. We feel like it's unfair for you just to be able to call Hirscher. So I think what is interesting is that, like you say, that because we've got Christopherson and Pantero, that it's going to be not necessarily... I don't feel like off last season's form, who knows what we'll see this season. The guys have been hard training and we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit about what we expect coming up later on. But... No one has dominated, and it'll be interesting to see whether somebody becomes the Hirscher in terms of, you know, it's his to lose, which in giant slalom, certainly the last season was always Hirscher's, 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 I can't even say, Marcel's to lose. <laughs> and so I think it's going to be interesting to see if anybody does step up and take that sort of dominance thing. But I was thinking in terms of a longer term, Hirscher's reign has been over so long and has been so dominant that... I'm wondering whether we're going to see a you know a youngster come through and sort of look at taking that uh, wider dominance from a younger age. Maybe somebody like Marco Odomat, you know, he's started bringing some real good form at the end of last season, inconsistent good form, but that's exactly how Hirsch has started. Are we going to see somebody go? Do you know what? I'm going to be the next Marcel Hirsch. I hope so, but at the same time, it'll be really good to just go to, I say go to, watch races every week and have no idea who's going to win because they are all excellent. Um, looking back down the, the slalom rankings behind Hersher, there were four guys within 100 points of each other. They were Noel, Christofferson, Yule and Pantero. If there's only 100 points between those guys, that's going to be some exciting yeah. racing to watch. So one of them c- could lay down a marker early on and say, right, come get me. But we saw last year, everyone went in, in, in little bursts, like Noel had that kind of two, three-week stretch where he looked almost unstoppable for a few weeks. And then, you know, Christofferson had his run right at the end of the season after looking a little bit a little bit worn out himself at the start of the year. Um, and I think 
we said Pancho kind of started a bit sluggish and then really picked up, I think, from, from January through to the World Champs. He, he had a really, really special run there as well. So it's, it's going to be exciting. It's, it's absolutely gutting that there's going to be no Marcel Herscher, but the other guys are going to be brilliant to watch. Marcel, what other bits and pieces did you pick up from the news conference? Did he say what his plans were next? What was he talking about in terms of his wider plan? I mean, he was talking a bit about his future, like obviously first and foremost, he wants to enjoy the time with his wife and his kid, which we probably all understand after living 12 years out of the backs. But um, there are a couple of things he mentioned, which he not really mentioned. So he can't really talk about that. But it was quite interesting that the president of the Ski Federation um, said something afterwards that Marcel will be kind of involved in the youth development or something. So it's definitely something to watch out for. Um, and apparently his dad is going to be in negotiations with the Austria ski team. So let's see what happens. So uh, we will see that famous Tash still on the World Cup circuit, let's hope. Uh, one of the journalists in the news conference asked about his regrets from his World Cup lifetime, I guess. And he said that one of his biggest regrets was he didn't get a chance to celebrate all of his successes because his focus was always on future challenges. And I think that's kind of... I guess it's one of those things that you you roll from race to race to race. And I guess, Marcel, you talked about it back on one of the previous podcasts when you got your podium in World Cup. You didn't have a chance to really revel in that because it was on to the next. You never got that chance to really soak in that atmosphere and actually realise what you've just done. I mean, like, obviously, he will have time to yeah, to think about it now and celebrate but I think that made him an outstanding champion, that he was really focused on it and he didn't have anything in his mind rather than just being absolutely hammering every race and being always on top form and that's how he got that far. Well, he's, he became certainly one of the best of all time. He's certainly the best of his generation. I think, I think everyone's in agreement of that one, but I guess that's why he was so good because he didn't let, allow those distractions. He didn't allow himself to be sort of dragged away from the focus of skiing quickly and winning day in, day out. He balanced that argument quite well when he said, I, I wish I could have maybe taken a bit more time to celebrate. But then he said, if, if I had, I may not be in the same place I am now with all of these crystal globes and, and medals and Olympics and world championship uh, successes behind me. And on the plus side of re retiring from racing at age 30 is he's now got plenty of time to relive and enjoy those moments. Um, you know, obviously it's a shame for us, but for him, he's left the sport pretty healthy. He's, you know, you see other ex-racers limping around all over the place after, you know, tons of surgeries lay on. And that's something he, you know, apart from being drained, he, he really doesn't have to worry about. Yeah, that was also something he mentioned um, during the press conference that he was very fortunate that he only had like, a, he broke his ankle once or something and that he's actually happily retiring and playing with his son football and like doing motocross and stuff. So that was also he something he always wanted to do, um, just be healthy. And he, yeah, he made that. Did he talk at all in there about the Denmark record. I mean, we always talk about it and we've talked about it with Lindsay Vaughn, we've talked about it with Hirscher, we've talked about it with Schifrin. Did he talk at all about that? Because we placed, you know, as ski racing fans, as journalists, you place all this sort of 
importance on the record of this record and did he talk about it at all he did not mention that in one single sentence so i am i'm not entirely sure if he just didn't want to mention it or if it's actually he doesn't care about it um i think his main focus was always to win races not how many races i think he actually only realizes it now how much he actually won um but it was rather focusing on winning races than breaking any records like obviously if he would have done it it would be yeah additionally but i don't think he was that keen on it because he was so close so he won 67 world cups Stenmark's record was 86 world cup wins von was 82 and i wonder if schifrin wasn't already on 60 world cup wins if that record, if he'd beaten Stenmark's record and it looked like nobody was going to touch him, I wonder whether that would have been more of a focus because that record would could or would have been more easily recognised as maybe an unbeatable record. But the fact is, Schifrin is almost certain to overtake Stenmark's record, touch wood, without major injuries and, and seasons missed or maybe her fire being snuffed out. I wonder whether that's a factor. It, it could be, but based on the way that Marcel's kind of held himself throughout his career and, and even in the press conference today, he doesn't spend a huge amount of time talking about other people's achievements, whether it's historically Stenmark mm. or, or now being, being Schifrin. Obviously, if they ask him a question about how good she is, he you know, speaks really highly of her and says she, you know, she's incredible and she's doing great things. But I don't think that would have been the, the kind of driving factor for him. As Marcel was saying, it's, it's not necessarily something that he kind of counts up numbers and, and those kind of things but you would have to think that where the, the bigger picture comes in is more in the overall titles of that eight eight on the bounce um if you said to him okay just give us two more years get to 10 consecutive overall titles will anyone ever catch that because that's something that really could be you know i mean Schifrin possibly could, could do that as well the way she skied the last couple of years but that would be something that that I thought would, might tide him over or might be something that would tempt him to, to carry on but like he said if it's already September and he said the summers are going too quickly I barely feel rested from last year then winning an overall title is not easy even for someone of his quality so if you're not feeling rested and you're struggling for motivation Christofferson's going to look a whole lot quicker uh, at the start of next year if you've not been fully on it. I think that motivation thing, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you'd think that winning races week in, week out, being one of the most successful races of all time, you know, making good money, enjoying yourself, travelling the world, skiing for a living uh, and being really, really good at it would be the motivation. But it's, it shows that it's, I don't know, I kind of like that it shows that he's not that fast, that he's the best in the world and he can, he should continue because he is. He's gone, well, skiing became was a hobby, became my job. It did it for a long time, I was very successful, but I don't love it anymore like I used to love it. And he's happy with that and he's okay with that and he's going to retire at 30 even though he's still got the skills and the technique that if he wanted to, he could still compete and win yeah i mean like obviously it all comes down to motivation in the end like if you're not willing to give 100 percent, which he was always so keen on doing there is no point for him because he's not a guy to do like 80 percent or maybe do half of the races he just wants to win every race he's on a start and he wants to race every race and like at some point like obviously yeah he 
might have just decided, okay, motivation's gone. I'm finished. I had I had my bed. Now let the others do. We've seen a lot on his social media, haven't we, over the last few weeks, just spending a lot of time motorbiking and spending a lot of time relaxing and enjoying himself. I'm itching to know what he is doing next because there's no way that that man is just going to hang out and play football with his kid for the next 10 years. He's got to have something going on. He was very candid. He didn't talk a lot about it, but he didn't give any hints, did he? I mean, he hinted a tiny bit. He was like, if I can find something that is something similar to ski racing, where I have to put myself out there and give 100%, I'll do it. And one journalist asked him, so what about motor, like motorbiking? Is that something you would be interested in? He just smiled. So there might be something coming up from in that space. If, if, but, but there's a few signed NDAs out there, aren't there? So <laughs> he, he was keeping... I thought the way the way that the pictures have been going up of him on the Red Bull motorbike the last few years, I don't know if that was just him taking advantage of the fact that he has a, a very great partnership with Red Bull and always wanted to do it, or whether it's something he wants to pursue seriously. But we've seen a lot of people move from, from one sport, retire and, and kind of go into that motor racing kind of thing. Chris Hoy, the, 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 the British... Uh, legendary cyclist got really into motor racing after his retirement he's a really keen motor racer now when your job sport has been all about speed it's not uncommon for these guys to like to like racing victoria pendleton did did her piece as a jockey for a while and and wanted to try and win, win races as a jockey so it wouldn't surprise me to see him do that he better not start a podcast with felix (laughs) (laughs) no one listening (laughs) I mean, he like he has good connections to that. So there is a guy called Matthias Walkner, which is one of his best friends. And he just two years ago, he won the Rally Dakar on a motorbike. So like, obviously, he always goes motocrossing with him and stuff. So I do think there is a, a connection and possibly a future for him. I'm hoping without too much conviction that he's not going to be able to sit back and watch the world of alpine ski racing go by. I'm hoping for a comeback, but I don't think either of you two are thinking I'm keeping my fingers crossed for it. I really want to. Do you think think he's going to be able to stay away at 30? He's still got plenty of... um, Manfred Molg, was he 38? Julien Lizaroux, nearly 40? 39? 40? 50. is still quick enough to qualify for the French team. He will will be there until he's 50. Do you think he's going to come back ever? I really want him to. I don't know right now. I need to watch the rest of watch next season and see if he's, he, he appears on any of the camera shots, like when Kitzbühel's on or Schladming or something. Is he just in the crowd? Does he want to be close to it? Or does he want to just go away and just relax and enjoy himself? I mean, like obviously as a ski fan, I would hope for a comeback. But personally, I'm not a big fan of comebacks, to be honest. So I hope he's not going to do it because we have seen people burning their fingers doing it. Yeah. So I would I would assume he is like not going to come back. I think you're right. If you're going to come back, you have to still be good enough to win. And you're right. You do see people coming back, dipping their toe, not doing anywhere near as well as they did before they retired. So that is, I would much rather never see him race again if that was the route of his comeback. But I still... I still think that he may still have it. It's a couple in of seasons the, till the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a Take a whole year out and then have a whole season getting back yeah. to his best. Um, Qualify for the, the games, season. win another medal. He's only got two Olympic golds, so come on. 
He needs more. And then we see another press conference. Exactly. So on that comeback sort of story, we've already had a couple of guys reverse their decisions. We heard Andre Mura talk very openly, very early on during the World Champs or preceding the World Champs that you know this was going to be his last season, that he was, he'd had enough, that he was hanging up his boots. But it turns out that that man wants another crack at the whip. Maybe he got early uh, word that Herschel wasn't coming back to us. <laughs> <laughs> I've changed my mind, guys. I wanted the big send-off in R8, but now, uh, now Marcel is uh, uh, hanging up the boots. I'll come back and have a, have a crack at the youngsters. Right, another bit, another few big names retiring. Von obviously went, Svindal obviously went, Norreuter obviously went, and there's a few more as well, right? Yeah, we've got Philip Scherkofer, Tanya Barrio, Thomas Fanara, who was, you know, had a quite a good season as well for a guy that, that was that was hanging it up uh, from the Swiss side, Patrick Cooing and Sandro Villetta. You know, there's a lot of big names going. So I think next year is going to be quite interesting to see who's stepping up from like the B squads and the youth teams, people that would have had the spots a bit further down the start order, really stepping up. I mean, Marcel is there. What's the, I guess, the Austrian take on who's going to fill the limelight straight away? I mean, like, it's gonna, there will be a hole, like, obviously, the overall World Cup is gonna be challenging for the Austria ski team, but I think we have seen really good races from Feller last year, so if he can, like, be more consistent, um, I think he's, he's pretty, he's pretty good, I guess, um, like, speed guys are good anyway, so I'm not too worried about them, but there are some, some good Austrian young skiers uh, who have a very good technique, they might not be there yet, but it can all change within a race, right? It's going to be interesting, though, because like you say about Manu Feller, he hasn't been very consistent for the last couple of seasons, but he's certainly got that sort of firecracker of a, of a style, you know, right at the edge of your seat stuff like we're used to seeing from Hirscher. But is the pressure now going to be really, really on him? I know that we have um, Marco Schwartz, obviously, skied incredibly well last season, somebody that's a little bit more solid. But are we going to see the likes of those guys obviously having a new pressure, a new added pressure, is that something that they are going to be able to deal with? On one hand, it's a great chance for other athletes in Austria to get into the limelight. But then on the other hand, there will be more pressure, like maybe not in the beginning because the media is like not expecting them to get into Hirscher's like footsteps right away. But throughout the season, if they don't perform well, there will be definitely pressure Skiing is just simply the number one sport in Austria, so I guess there will be more pressure on them. It's interesting, the, the slalom side, they appear to have that bit more depth because they've got Feller, they've got Matt, they've got Schwartz. It feels like there's slightly more depth than they have in, in the GS side. Obviously, Feller can, can put it down in GS as well, but it seems like they've just got slightly less depth there. I mean, I know Schwartz had a, a couple of good results in GS just before he got injured. Schwartz, someone that is kind of held as that too disciplined technician in, in Austria or is it more they were just starting to find out how good he was when he got injured? I mean, he was always quite good. So I guess he will continue doing that next year. Um, I think they also restructured the Austria GS team. So they have a new coach, new staff. Um, that might be a good input for them. But there's definitely a bit of a gap in GS rather than slalom. And if uh, the uh, Austrian Federation president said they're trying to keep Marcel involved with the uh, youth in Austrian skiing, perhaps a Marcel Herscher Academy to help bring yeah. through the next generation or some kind of sponsorship or bursary, a, yeah, red, I mean, a red Bull Marcel Herscher Academy. I mean, who better than 
to uh, to pick the brains of in terms of looking at ways to to build champions and, and to get the best out of young athletes. So, I mean, it's not a bad shout, and somebody is going to be thinking that. And there's certainly some big pockets over there with Red Bull. If they haven't thought of it already, I'd like a cut when they set it up. Yeah, we'll, we'll, nice. see. we'll see. <laughs> I mean, they free some capital now. He's done. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Ben, Marcel, thanks for joining me. And with the Audi FIS World Cup Tour fast approaching on the horizon, we'll all be back soon. Until then, it's goodbye for now.